My name is Laura Hunter, and thank you for joining us for the Moms on Call podcast today. My friend Jennifer Walker and I have been helping parents with babies and toddlers for a long time. And now we have this podcast to share all that we have learned with you. And we want to thank Bobby Infant Formula for supporting this episode, making it possible for us to give you this show absolutely free. And with a school year starting, we are going to share what we know about wrangling a household of kids and getting them to school on time. And here's a hint. It's all about routine and preparation. We take your calls for help, touching on both baby and toddler sleep issues, plus getting a little one to eat faster before they head off to daycare. Because laughter is so important, we're going to throw in some dad jokes as well. We know that nobody is busier than a new parent, so we make sure that there is something in the first five minutes of every episode that teaches you something. And today, we are starting off with some wisdom if you have had a baby via C-section. I have something you don't have. You do have something I don't have. And, you know, it it happens so often that I do think it's so important that we talk about C-section incisions. Yes, I have a C-section scar. I had my first nine pound, six ounce baby that I joke was a nine pound head and a six ounce body. He was not coming out in the traditional way. And okay. whoa, um, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me just tell you. Yeah. The best way that I've ever heard talk about C-sections yes. was with Poppy, with baby Poppy and Morgan said. <laughs> Yes. That they were going to take her out the sunroof. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, That is the best, best thing ever. Mm, Yeah, but then they have to stick that sunroof back together. And it is not at all like as easy as the car fits together. So you are, you just had all this, you know, the end of pregnancy, which is exhausting. You may have had any number of other additional things, hemorrhoids or, um, you know, heartburn. These are things that we experience. Our bodies are just not quite used to having all this weight in the front. And so you had probably many sleepless nights and the excitement and anticipation of this baby getting here. And now you're recovering from surgery and you're taking care of an incision and you're taking care of the baby and uh, gross stuff is happening. I mean, it's just all kinds of like now I'm expected to properly be like a surgical nurse and figure this thing out. Um, So there's a lot. And my fellow C-section scar holders, I don't know, could we come up with something about that sunroof? I got the sunroof. Um, you know, that is a, a, a battle scar for which the most wonderful and amazing thing happened. Because it's like if you ever got your gallbladder out or, you know, other reasons that they have to cut open your abdomen, um, you know, it's not necessarily something to celebrate. But that scar, that scar is something to celebrate. At the beginning, it doesn't feel like much of a celebration. You got to take care of that incision, watch for signs of infection, follow your doctor's instructions, and once healed, um, then we can actually do some stuff to help reduce the scarring um, for those of you bikini wearers and you know people who would like to just be able to have less of a scar. 
Yeah, and it helps when we're doing those massages to kind of help with those pain receptors too, and it makes it a little more mobile because it gets kind of stiff. And we always want you guys to make sure that you're discussing all of these things with your postnatal care provider. They will walk it with you. So if you have a fever, if you start to see any um, colored discharge coming from the wound, or it begins to smell bad, and it is the kind of smell that finds you, um, these are reasons why you want to alert your obstetrician right away. So we can make sure that your healing goes as well as possible and that you are as healthy as possible to enjoy this new little one. And then you can also, once you're all healed up and everything's in the clear, get a little of that vitamin E oil, some of that Jergens cocoa butter, Laura, that you like to put on um, diaper rash. That was absolutely my go-to. So you smell properly like cocoa butter. You smell like the tropics, which is also a benefit. Um, But once the scar is healed, putting a little bit of that, a little bit of vitamin E oil on there, um, it just really, really helps to minimize the scarring. And here's something that you don't know. Um, If you did have the scar in the summer and you are going to be out in the sun, make sure that that area is covered by a sunproof bathing suit. So a lot of the bathing suits, you actually can get some sun through those and those will tend to make that scar a bit darker and more prominent as it's healing. So, you know, once you're all back together again and you can go back to the beach, um, do try and find a swimsuit that has sun protectant in it and that will help you minimize the darkness of that scar. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. They have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they're sharing their experiences as nurses, business owners, and moms with you, completely unfiltered. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Well, it is back to school time and listen, routines are all over the place or like in my house, I took Little Handsome, the last of five children, to UGA uh, to get started for college. And you talk about upending our home and and the way that we do things. I went to buy dinner last night, Jennifer, and I almost bought Brent his favorite chicken sandwich and then realized (laughs) that he wasn't here here. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, oh, wait, the normal routine of my house has shifted. And it does seem like when we get back to these, you know, back to school routines, especially for us, for the families that have older kids that are really into school or daycare families, even as you know, the older kids are now having to go to school and we're trying to get the daycare routines and everything just seems a little bit um, upended and crazy. And yeah, I think that it's really a great time to kind of, hey, how can we help with this adjustment and kind of just getting back into the school routines 
and how that looks. Well, can we do a shout out just for a minute, though, about um, the families who have older kids and younger kids? Or you might have a kid starting middle school and preschool at the same time. So it's hard enough just having a kid in preschool. But if you have like this larger split, like a number of kids, we could have starting middle school, two in elementary school, one in preschool, certainly. But then there's also just this other, I have a lot of clients who have a gap where they have adult kids and then, you know, they have a toddler. Um, I say adult kids, like, you know, older, high school, middle school age. And in addition to that, a toddler. And so your brain really has to work in these amazing, but the spectrum of emotion and cognitive development that you have to uh, traverse every day is astounding. How how can we even do it? Demands that. Yeah. This little (laughs) one is very simple. They just need the, you know, structure and, you know, the same thing repetitively over and over. Honestly, the older kids could probably use the structure and the same thing repetitively over and over, but they have better comebacks and a lot of emotions. The middle schoolers, I often say, you know, what plays out on their face is not indicative of what is in their hearts either. Like when the hormones show up for the first time, that your job is to just stay calm and state the truth, Um, you know, never tell them that what they're feeling is too much or over the top or not the truth, just, you know, to stay calm and say, Oh, you know, I see that you're really upset about that. And let's just look at the truth of the matter. Yes. Your, um, notebook that you were supposed to have for your first class isn't anywhere that you can find it. Let's try and find it together. And if we can't, we're going to find a solution. Um, You know, those kind of things, just like talking this one kid off the ledge and then you've got the other one, you know, I have the pencil pouch, the tissues, the, you know, whatever, 10 other items were supposed to be packed diligently in the backpack, um, you know, to go to preschool in this new environment. Um, so our brains are just all over the place sometimes. And, um, and so we want to offer a little bit of love and support to the ones who have to keep the schedule going, get the kids in the car, get out the door, feed the people. Oh, there's so much. It is a lot. And so one of the, one of the great things that I always tried to do because, hey, I had five kids in all kinds of different ranges. And so one of the things that I always did, just very practical, and you know, Jennifer, I'm more of a dot the I and cross the T kind of person. And so on Sundays, I would go ahead and make sure that everything is together. So the night before, I'd make sure that, you know, their clothes were out, that everything that had to be signed was signed. And on Sundays, I always made the menu for what we were going to eat for the di- for the week. And so that really helped me because it was more about help, what could help me <laughs> make it through this week. And one of those things was kind of planning out that menu. And let me tell you, sometimes it was super, super simple. Sometimes it was, you know, what can I cook that's going to get me three meals <laughs> this week? And so on Sundays, I would really try hard to, to do that. And then during the week, it was really important. I had a place 
where all the book bags and the shoes and the coats could kind of go together so that I wasn't running all over the house trying to find those things every no, morning. No, so, no, 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 no. I don't <laughs> care if you have a special place for the shoes. There is a shoe monster and it steals a shoe. And it's usually it, a croc and it's usually the favorite croc. And, it, and it's the only croc that yeah. they would wear. Yeah. But it's nowhere to be found. I don't know if the dog ate it. It could be buried in the backyard. But just as, just when you are running late and you just want to grab it where you think it should be. We had twins, so there were four shoes about the same size. So sometimes we could convince somebody to wear a different pair of shoes. A different. So that was a we might, distinct get advantage. Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I thought but it was having you know, the place is helpful. Well, and, and and at least in my house, what I did, because this was the way that I could keep things kind of somewhat organized, was before I went to bed. So all the kids are already in bed. Before I would go to bed, I'd make sure that the backpacks were where I could get them, that all the folders had been put back in that backpack, that their shoes, hopefully I could find the missing shoe, was there where we could kind of not have to run all over the place the next morning trying to to get out the door. We will still have to run all over the place. But if I could do that the night before and put out their clothes the night before, it helped me to be able to to get up the next morning and get, you know, five kids up and fed and out the door and and to school. Um, So that was one of the things. So Sundays, I would kind of do some some meals. Again, simple. The night before, I'd go ahead and get those clothes and get the stuff situated for that next morning. But what are some things that that you found, Jennifer, to really, really help with just trying to to get into this new routine of having to have kids at a, out the door and at a specific place on time? I would like to say this. Um, as we know, I'm not a morning person. However, my children... <laughs> got to school, you know, there was how many years of school starting at five all the way till they were 18. But then, yeah. So, you know, between all of their years of school, we're probably looking at almost 20 years of getting kids to school on time. They were late once, once. And I'm so proud of you, Jennifer. I know everybody's so amazed by that because I'm more of a fly by the seat of my pants kind of girl. Um, who's losing shoes all the time and uh, other sundry and various items. Um, I don't know where the weirdest, I was thinking about this as we were talking about it, like where's the weirdest place I ever found anything. And I think it was when Grayson was little, we had this, you know, where sometimes the outlet is a fake outlet and it has like a little box behind it where you can put your jewelry or whatever, you know, hide it. So we had one of those in the master bath, but you could pull the whole thing out of the wall. So there's a hole in the wall. Well, we kept losing the remote control to the television, <gasps> which is a big deal, right? I mean, we can't go back old school like we remember, you know, and like turn the channel right. ourselves. Like, where is this remote? And, you know, some various other things. And finally, I saw him putting things in that hole. Like he'd pull the whole thing out and then throw things in the hole. And the stuff we pulled out of that wall, there were like three TV remotes, a sock, like, you know, um, just a a keys that we've, oh my goodness. Um, 
But I think the most important thing is actually who's in charge. Right. So trying to convince your kids to go, trying to make them like the fact that they have to go, trying to make, uh, you know, trying to trick them into going. This is all, these are things that suck out your energy. And instead, if you're just in charge and you practice that face we talk about, which is the non-optional face, all parents of, you know, multiple kids, I would say at least three or more have this face because they've developed it over. I mean, it, it was really a survival tactic. <laughs> it's how they developed this face. You have this face. And, you know, when you see a mom by four kids and she's like, get in the car. And like, they know like, oh yeah, that's when they just get in and you're, you're like, what kind of magic is this? Um, it is a developed skill of being trustworthy, doing what you say you're going to do, A, and B, looking like you mean it. So I want you to be comfortable being in charge. It is okay to run the show because somebody's got to run it. And I can't take all the time to make you like it. And the other thing I want to talk about, I was thinking about when you said this, I had their outfits picked out. And I know you have two girls. Those are the older ones. And then three boys. And boys weren't as picky about their clothes. Mine weren't. So that was easy to do for us. But I have a lot of clients partnered with a lot of families who have little girls who are very particular about what they're going to wear. And so this is a big struggle in households across America is getting kids dressed in the morning, getting the toddler dressed in the morning. Do I give them two options? Do I not give them two options? Do I just pick it out for them and make them wear it? These are the kind of questions that, you know, I'll often come, Mm -hmm. you know, up with. And, um, or, you know, my, my clients will come up with and ask me and, Depending on the design of that child, they're looking for different things. There are some different answers that are helpful. Um, Yes, you can have two options is the short answer, as long as they pick one of the two options in a timely manner. So the thing that remains constant is that you are always in charge. You decide if they get to pick two things, and then you decide how long that process will take. And if it takes over a certain amount of time, then you pick and that's just how it works. And you have that non-optional face. Like I'm just telling you how the world works, honey. You have these two options, pick one by the time mommy comes back in the room and we're good. And if you don't, then I'll pick it. And you know, sometimes they melt down because no matter what you pick, it's going to be wrong. But if you (laughs) do what you say you're going to do, then I promise you two or three mornings later, they'll pick in time. Really kind of look at what's going to work best at your house. Does that mean that, look, you've got to be out the door at, you know, 645 every morning? Well, then we want to make sure that the routine is as consistent as we possibly can make it, right? I mean, you know, so at my house, because I had people in 10 different directions and a husband that traveled. And, you know, so I had to make sure that our routine was fairly consistent with enough buffer room in case I had to go look for the crock. Um, So, you know, but we need to be consistent with that get up time in the morning. I do think that's such a huge piece of the puzzle Try to be consistent with that get up time in the morning and be intentional. Uh, I love having a, you know, I can't sing, but I did have, you know, a little song that we could sing in the mornings when when we would get up and we would kind of do the same thing every morning to the best that we could. And then 
that kind of translates into the evening time. Uh, you know, I love having a family meal together, and sometimes that might be breakfast. So work that into your room, into your routine. Uh, maybe that's going to be family dinner time when we can. And so trying to keep a few things in place and consistent helps with that transition so much. And, you know, especially in the evening hours, I can remember trying to figure out how to get one from swimming, but also get everybody fed. And there was about 10 different little spokes that seemed to, <laughs> to happen and that we had to address. And, and so just kind of step back and look at what's the best way that we can be as consistent as reality will allow, especially when we have all those different age groups. I think that that can be a little overwhelming. And sometimes you need a third party to kind of come in and really help you navigate that. And that's what I love so much about, you know, our consultants is we can kind of give kind of look from the outside in and say, oh, you know what? You know, this one needs to be here at this time and that one. Look, let's do this. Let's meet here in the middle. And uh, and there's ways to to kind of do that together. But I do. It's it's difficult. But having those consistent routines as often as realistically possible, especially in the evening when it gets to, you know, that bedtime routine and that sweet, sweet time before bed. If we can be as consistent there and then consistent when they get up in the morning, the middle is going to be somewhat flexible, right? Well, and I'm also thinking about one of the things that you said about getting everybody in the car, like feeding them and getting <sighs> them in the car. So here's a question. Who do you get in the car first? And when I have a baby and a toddler, oftentimes our instinct is to get the baby strapped in first. And that is not the way to go. We put the toddler in first. We put the one that's going to move, you know, around the most because the baby is in a car seat. Like I can move them wherever I want them. So if I get the, the um, older child strapped in first, the one that, you know, requires the most difficulty, then I can get the baby in and then I can get in. So, you know, it's always good. And we always say this, hey, let's start our engines and get out of here. And then, you know, you're strapped in. I take the baby. The baby's right, you know, there next to the car. Strap the toddler in. Then I put the baby in their car seat. And it's always great to have even those little things that we do the same every day. Like who gets in first? Ah, you do. Oh, you know, tickle monster's going to chase you all the way to the car. Click, 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 arms up, legs out. Now we get the baby in and click, 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 and we're off. And um, so oftentimes those things can be a part of the morning routine that has a call and answer that's predictable. And it's just always the way that we do it that helps to motivate them to get in the car. And give yourself some time. You know, it does take a, a week or two to kind of get into the new routine and to to figure out where things need to be changed. And I'm constantly changing our routine here in the in the Hunter house. And now I have one less kid. I don't have to pick up a chicken sandwich for. You can bring it to me. I like chicken sandwiches. I got you. 
Our sponsor, Bobby Infant Formula, is such a wonderful, wonderful company. You've heard us talk to uh, Laura Modi from Bobby, and it is really wonderful. If you haven't, go back to that podcast and listen to some of the things that we have an opportunity to celebrate together. The other thing we want to celebrate is you. So this awesome company, which is an organic infant formula They have a recipe that is modeled after EU nutritional guidelines while also meeting all FDA requirements for infant formula. And they're offering this 25% discount. Wow. On your first box of Bobby with code MOMSONCALL25 at HiBobby.com. We would love to introduce you to some of the wonderful things that other moms are doing. Go to HiBobby.com and get your 25% discount and see if that's a good fit for you and your family. In our years as pediatric nurses, we were asked the craziest questions, and that means there is no question too weird. We want to hear them all and help you out the best we can. Call us at 888-234-7979, or you can leave us your questions on Instagram. We will answer those during the podcast as well. Hi, moms. My name is Lindsay, and I have a six-month-old baby girl, and she is still not sleeping through the night. And we've tried the cried-out method and letting her um, cry. And I nurse her before bedtime, and she usually falls asleep while feeding. So, I mean, there's really not a whole lot I can do about that. But I put her down, she'll be asleep really good, and then she'll wake up and start crying. And it seems like the longer and longer I let her cry, the more awake she gets. And I've let it go for a long time, but she just does not seem to settle herself. Do I continue letting her cry? Is she really going to find that comfy spot? I'm just really struggling. Um, Any advice would be great. Thank you. Hey, Lindsay. We know that at six months of age, you are ready to have this little one sleeping through the night. And it is tough without having all the details to know that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. So we do want to make sure of a few things. One, that she is on a consistent routine. That is very important. So let's make sure she's on a consistent routine. We want to make sure that she is healthy that she is gaining weight well, that she's eating enough during the daytime hours. We want to make sure you're using the right sound machine. That is such a huge piece of the puzzle. It's the one for adults. It is. Mm -hmm. You can find it at momsoncall.com. The second piece of that is to make sure that you know that not all cry it out is the same. So we want to put a few of these things in place so that we can help her to be as successful as possible. So I love the question that you asked, Lindsay. Is this possible? And that is really the first obstacle, because I know you get to the point where you think she cannot settle herself back down. But we would like to counteract that with the truth. And the truth is, 
She can and she will. Given the right details, the right environment and the schedule, we can send consistent messages that allow her to be able to get from that absolute like 10, 10 cry, you know, the words that you've heard all the way back down to soothed. Even when she just does it to take a breath, her brain is learning how to get from that 10 to soothed. And what I really recommend is twofold. I don't want you to do this alone. No mom can necessarily face this all by yourself. And that's why we have moms on call. So we have the online classes where Laura and I will talk you through every detail of what is going to be helpful and where you can hear us and see us. So you don't have to do this alone. And I think the biggest thing is that she is safe, loved, and can learn to do this. So we want to give you that hopefulness and all the tools that you need to walk through this. And we'll support you while you support your household with sustainable habits. Hi, this is Megan. Um, I live in Buttonville, Arkansas. And my almost two-year-old daughter has been a great sleeper um, due to the mom's on-call schedule and sleep training method. But recently, this past week, she has had a huge regression and refuses to fall asleep in her room without one of us in there with her. She doesn't necessarily want out of her bed. She doesn't want to be left alone. And she's leaning and jumping on her bed and extremely upset when one of us isn't in the room. And we're not quite sure how to handle it. Um, We try to leave the room and check in. We've tried to leave the door open. We've tried to do a nightlight, but nothing seems to calm her except if one of us is in the room. So any advice on how to get through this um, struggling sleeping time would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you. Oh, Megan, it is so great to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Right around two years of age, and you'll hear us talk about this a lot. Oftentimes they have a language explosion or a developmental milestone that starts to just wake them up. Their brain just comes alive in this new area and it keeps them from being able to sustain sleep through the night sometimes for one to two weeks. And oftentimes what happens is, because it happens out of nowhere, like you said, you were doing moms on call, everything was going great. All of a sudden, we begin some unsustainable habits and introducing engagement into that nighttime. And when the brain is waking up in these new areas, really what it requires is a lack of stimulation, a lack of the most interesting thing in the world, which happens to be you, and a solid, dependable routine. So when that changed, basically what she started to do was test that boundary. And when that boundary moved, she tested it further. And so I have great news for you. It's not about the lights on or off or the door open or closed or the sippy cup color that you got her. It's just all about setting back into place a dependable, consistent routine. And she's not going to like it at first. She's still going to try and push that boundary. And we really go over this in great detail, both in the online class for toddlers 
and in the toddler book. So I want you to review that information and we'll put her in a non-optional sleep environment and expect about two weeks. But if we have a strict no engagement policy, if we give her everything she needs right before bed, I love you, I believe in you, and I will see you when the sun comes up. She doesn't even want to get out of her bed. So all of this is just an attempt at engagement. And if we cut that engagement off for a while and we just make everything really dependable, then that great sleep she was enjoying before will be restored. And Megan, you know, one of the things that we have found to be huge when this happens right around this age is that your confidence is really is contagious. She knows whether or not you believe in her, and we want you to be her biggest cheerleader. So make sure that in those evening hours right after bath and before we go to shut that door and leave her room, that you are exuding that confidence that you believe in her and that you are her biggest cheerleader. Hi, my name's Morgan. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm calling in because I have a 13-week-old, and she takes about 40 minutes to feed from her bottle every single session, and that is a huge improvement from what it used to be. I'm trying to get that down to 20 to 30 minutes, and I would love any advice that you have on that. Um, The reason kind of why we were doing that is because she was so low on weight, so we would just do whatever it took to get food in her throughout the day. But um, we're trying to get her ready for daycare, and we know they're not going to spend 40 minutes trying to feed her. So any advice would be great. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Morgan. Well, there's a few things that we just want to look at and just make sure that kind of those uh, things are in place that will help her be successful. Up to 30 minutes max is okay. If we can make sure that she's getting the ounces she needs in 30 minutes or less, we're okay there. So we do want to get to that 30-minute window. But let's look at a few things. We want to make sure that she's not tongue or lip tied. So double check those things with your pediatrician. We want to make sure that we're using an old-fashioned style nipple and bottle system. We have found over and over again that those old-fashioned, latex-preferred nipples really helps to pull that tongue out. It hits the, the nipple hits the roof of the mouth. They, they're able to curl that tongue around that nipple. The tongue doesn't slip as much off of those longer, old-fashioned nipples. We want to make sure that we're using the right flow. Typically, by that 13-week mark, they are definitely on to the four-month, the four-plus-month nipple size. So double-check that. We love at Moms on Call the Nook First Essentials. I would order the nine-ounce bottles and the nipples that come with that. I would also order the latex replacement nipples. The next thing that I really want you to look at is the position that we're feeding her. Are we feeding her in kind of the crook of the arm where she's laying flat? That's very difficult to suck and swallow and keep that kind of organized sucking pattern going. So feed sitting straight up. You can put her neck in between your middle finger and thumb and you can feed with that bottle straight on. 
that also allows you to keep your finger underneath her jaw, which will give a little bit of a counter pressure. You can also massage that jaw forward, which will also buy us another suck or two. Do that according to the schedule that you are on at Moms on Call in the typical days area of um, our books. And you should have that sorted out in about three days. It might be a little bit of a fight at first as she gets used to that new flow. Once you get her to daycare, they are fabulous at this as well. If you give them the tools, they will get her down as well and finish up the great work that you started. No question is too silly. No question is too small. If there's something you want to ask us, please do. 888-234-7979. Trust us, we have heard it all. We like to end every single episode of this show with something that leaves you feeling good, puts a smile on your face, and gives you some faith and encouragement in humanity. We call this segment, The Good Stuff. So Kevin Hart one time said, Uh, that laughter heals all wounds. And that's one thing that everybody shares. No matter what you're going through, it makes you forget about your problems. And so we're going to share some dad jokes. So you might want to get some pen and paper because everybody needs to have these. Okay. All right, Jennifer, are you ready? I don't know if I'm ready. Am I supposed to laugh even if they're not funny? Like, that's the yes. question we all want to know about. Hey, we, okay, first off, if your dad tells a joke, absolutely laugh, regardless. Oh, yeah, my dad would love that. We would shop when I was a little girl, and he would see the clearance rack, and he'd be like, oh, look, it's Clarence, my favorite designer. <laughs> just like... Okay. All right. Settle down over there. That is awesome. All right. So Jennifer, Mm -hmm. what's the best time to go to the dentist? 230? 230. Hurdy. Get it? Like, because the tooth hurts. Hurdy. That's right. Tooth hurdy. All right. Okay. This is, how do you make a tissue dance? Put a little boogie in it. Woohoo! That's right. That is right. All right. Why did the farmer win an award? I don't know. He was outstanding in his field. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd goes wild. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Why did the duck get thrown out of the baseball game? (laughs) Something about his bill, I would imagine. What is it? Foul play. <laughs> All right, Jennifer. So, so you shared one of your dad's favorites. So, what yeah. other jokes can you remember that your dad was saying? Oh, we pass by the coin laundry. You know where you can go do your laundry, and you'd be like, "Got any dirty coins?" Because there's a coin laundry. <laughs> <laughs> I love your dad. Oh my gosh! So, we really want to encourage you guys. Hey, get your dad around. Get grandpa around. Uh. And let's share some dad jokes. And the best part about it is laughter. Laugh together. Have Take some time. Because you know what? They really are fun. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. 
Please visit MomsOnCall.com for more resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive this amazing parenting journey. The number one way that people find out about new podcasts is word of mouth. And that is how Moms on Call got started. And your endorsement of this show is so important. Please tell all of your friends about this show. If you think something in here would bring a smile to their face or would be helpful to them in any way. Also, please leave us a five-star review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. And if you're so inclined, write a short paragraph about what you like about us. Thanks in advance. And we appreciate you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast.